You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, 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 we must eliminate poverty, I don't care what color the person or child see a glass half empty, but are optimists see a glass half full? Are we locked into regressive mentality by change unseen? If you try to fail and then succeed, what have you done? Do you ask enough questions or do you settle for what you know? The only questions that really matter are the ones you ask yourself. Welcome to Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Amber. Thank you for being in the saddle with me for the last show of 2020, a long, tumultuous year for some a uh, mm-hmm. year of abundance still for some. Um, unfortunately, a um, lot of lo- loved ones lost over this time just with everything that's going on, but glad to have you in this thing with me, Queen. So thank you for, for closing out the year with me. Uh, how are you doing? How was your holidays, if you will? Good morning, Montoya. Uh, my holiday was great. I am... Um, Glad to be here. I'm just thankful for an opportunity to just be thankful for the year. Um, like you said, lots of loss this year. Um, so good morning. Oh, absolutely. And so for our end of year, I'm trying something a little different. So I'm going to ask you to have on your, in a sense, your alert ears because we're doing the best of Mental Dialogue 2020, something I'm, again, just something we're trying, and uh, hopefully it'll work. Uh, I've offered even put out there that people out there listening can come on and help us co-host if they get in on the call with us and, and like the cuts and want to give their three cents, which, we, you know, we always open up the phone lines anyway, uh, but I'm going to let people hang out with us today and just kind of get through this end of year, just trying to make the best of it, you know what I mean? So I'm doing the best of Mental Dialogue. What a way to, in a sense, try to, try to, you know, get ready for the, the new year because I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, you know, I know that I am, and, and yes, this year has been up and down. Um, I'm, I, you know, just to be very sincere, I'm actually um, going through a loss right now, not necessarily due to the COVID situation or whatever, but, hey, we, we rock every Saturday. 
Um, and, 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 and so here we are. We're going to get through this thing and um, hopefully have a good time. But when I say have the alert ears on, it's going to, you know, we're going to play some cuts. Some of them will be longer than others. So um, in those cuts, a lot of these, um, matter of fact, all of all but maybe one, I think you haven't heard any of these because um, you've been co-hosting with me for how long now? About, about three months, I think, maybe. Is that, has it been that long? Yeah. Sounds like it. feels like it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So I will tell you a lot of the all, most of these cuts are, are are prior to you being with us. So you're gonna have to pay a little attention because we're gonna dialogue about some of these poignant cuts that were in a sense come from some of our best shows. And when I say best shows, these are really our most listened to shows throughout the year. And so I basically took cuts from the top shows, listened to them all over again, and said, you know what, that's the best part. And I said, let's see if we can make a show out of that. And hopefully people will enjoy it. Hopefully the callers, the truth seekers out there will call in and give us their three cents. And, you know, even for our regular listeners, sometimes you miss a show here or there. So uh, maybe these are some cuts that you missed for anybody out there that's a regular listener. But for you, Amber, I'm putting you to task to say, hey, make sure you're tuning in, picking out parts that you want to speak about or want to dig into. And so we're going to have, like, basically many shows, if that makes sense. We're going to pull something from a prior show from this year, and you and I will dialogue about it. And again, if you you know, with you being the first time hearing it, it's almost like you'll bring fresh ears to it, if that makes sense. So, you know, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with, with a cut, and then we'll still have our breaks. Got to take care of our sponsors and things of that nature. For those out there listening, I'm going to go ahead and give out the number. Um, throughout this show, at any time, if you call in and press 1, we're going to bring you on. And if, you, if you're holding it down with us, We'll let you hang out with us until somebody else wants to call in. So we're going to make it a fun show and, and encourage the listeners to take part in the Best of Mental Dialogue 2020, if you will. That number to get in this morning is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. And, again, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. And, and I probably should have told you to have a pen and paper because we're going to be going through so many different subject matters. It's going to be, I think it'll be kind of fun to do. You know, we typically do a full subject for the couple of hours, but we're going to jump around as the cuts, in a sense, take us there, if you will. So our first cut comes from Look, the show. I, I haven't, um, uh, oh, sorry, I haven't ahead, even had my coffee. I haven't even had my coffee yet. <laughs> I'm going to make coffee. You should have been had your coffee. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It's 10 o'clock. You listening. knew you was going to be on his thing. I tried to reach it. I'm listening. No, nah, that's all good. I tried to, re- yeah, I tried to reach out to you, you know, but I'm glad you enjoyed your holiday. Maybe it sounded like you enjoyed it a little too much. You're coming on our show tired. We're going to wake you up, and you got to pay attention to these <laughs> yeah, cuts. So let's go ahead and get this. Um, matter of fact, you know what we're going to do just based on the timing? I'm going to sneak the, I'm actually going to switch commercial early and come back with our first cut. That way I don't mm. miss out on our all sponsors. Right. And so we're going to, all right, sounds good. That'll give you a little time to. Maybe, you know, start the call right. if you will. All right. Exactly. All right. Sounds good for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for everybody out there, we're going to go with a quick commercial, and we're going to come back hot and heavy. We're coming right out of the break with the with the actual cut. So you need to make sure you're on this thing. Keep, it, keep the phone by your ear as we do this. We're going to play a quick commercial, and we're going to go right into the cut. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your three cents, Amber, on the first cut that you hear. But it is a few minutes, so you'll just kind of sit back and enjoy this cut. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. 
My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Big Tits Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Tits Media. You need web design? Call Big Tits Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Tits Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Tits Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com, 404-465-4348. Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com. Call them at 404-465-4348. Email Brian calling from Northern Virginia. How you doing, Brother Montoya? Hey, King. I know this is going to be excellent. What you got for us? (laughs) So, you know, uh, your show, I've been listening to almost all of it, is really powerful. We black people are being controlled right now. COVID-19 is an opportunistic virus. And what we are learning from our mass media, from ourselves, is that there's not enough scientific mathematical literacy, right? So we call that numeracy in the mathematical sense. There's not enough of that to discern what information is valid and what information is nonsense. And because we have not enough scientific literacy and and numeracy, we're suffering as people. One of the most powerful things that your brother Evan said, and uh, I respect your, your, your game and your hustle on Wall Street, is that there were people in the know who made decisions based on their knowledge. They had reliable knowledge, and they had the ability to interpret that knowledge reliably. So when they get the information, they know how to use that information in a tactical, operational, strategic sense to make sense of what their life will be like post-information. One of the challenges that we face in our community is we don't get reliable sources of information. We don't have the scientific literacy or numeracy to interpret that information and make good decisions. Mm. All of that has historical precedents that uh, uh, several of your panelists and callers have said before. Last point I want to make that you guys are hitting pretty hard that I want to emphasize for everybody, myself included, is that if we slow down and calm down and assess what is actually happening not just around us, but across the country, we can make some really valid decisions about our day-to-day life. And the most valuable day-to-day decision that we can make is, what actions can I take right now to protect myself? And if we learn how to think like that and say, these are the things that I can do, right? You cross-reference the WHO with the CDC, with your local government, and if all three of them are saying the same thing, likely it's going to be true. Not always, but likely. And one of the things we can do is start making some good decisions about how to protect ourselves. We can use that same methodology to protect our wealth. We can use that same methodology to protect physical security. If we begin to look at the different sources and just ask a basic question, what can I do right now 
to protect myself. We might be making some very valid decisions, not from fear, like you were talking about, but from a position of control and strength. I understand that the decisions I make affect my ability to navigate my life in the near future. And with that, I'm, I'm done. Beautiful. Thank you for that three cents, King. Um, Latrice, I'm going to let you jump in. Uh, I, saw, I see the caller that was out there, but I'm going to go ahead and let you jump in because we've got about a minute and a half before break. So, caller, I may get to you after the break. Go ahead, Latrice. Okay. Um, I love what that caller said. Um, I think it makes, it makes a tremendous amount of sense when we look at how we take data, how we consume the data. First of all, the data that we consume, and then how we interpret and apply that data to our lives. Um, it's very telling. We, in many instances, we don't know what data that we should believe. Um, and so many of us, because of our distrust of our, in our governmental infrastructure, we believe anything that's anti-government and states that they are trying to kill us. So I think that if we begin to be, develop more literacy when it comes to how to understand data, what's objective data, and then how to interpret that data and apply it to our lives, we as a community of people, would be so much more, so much smarter in how we go about our daily lives, how we how we make decisions. Another point I'd like to make from a um, from a what do we need to begin doing in our community perspective? We need to begin to be advocates for ourselves. When we go to the doctor, um, we don't advocate for ourselves. We take what they say as the gospel, not understanding the history of racism and bias in our healthcare system. I intentionally look for doctors that are pro-black. I want to see the, the Kenta cloth in their office. When I was going to camp, looking for a surgical oncologist for my best friend, when one of the surgical oncologists said, I'm not a member of the AMA because of his racist history, I said, that's the one for you. And she got the best treatment ever. So those are my statements. No, I love it. Perfect timing, too. We're up against the break. 502, I definitely will get to you after the break. Sorry I missed you on the last for the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. So that was a cut from, again, this is the best of Mental Dialogue 2020, and that's a cut from our most listened to show this year called Is America Trying to Kill Us? I thought it was the perfect place to start considering everything that's happening this year. Um, Amber, um, Anything resonated with you um, as you heard a caller call in and um, Latrice, uh, one of our, one of our, uh, in a sense, fill-in co-hosts prior, prior to me being able to get you permanently. So, again, thank you, Queen, for just doing this thing with me. But anything that stood out, again, I think it actually resonates based on this year in itself. But the question that day was, is America trying to kill us? And that was some of the thoughts um, that came out of that particular show. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, it sounds like a, a great dialogue. Um, what stood out to me most is the call for us to search our search out our own answers and information because it's not handed to us. You know, so we do have to you know connect the dots here and there. If it's you know, specifically pertaining to this uh, pandemic, um, even as we move and transition to the dialogue between whether or not I'm going to uh, vaccinate, um, 
it's important for me that I seek out information just because of the way that I know that I'm made. Um, and so I start there. So I want to know well, what type of allergic reactions will, you know, can we expect here? <clears throat> but the best way for me to find out my answers is to go seek the information. No, and fair disseminate enough. it and out no, no, to no, my he, circle. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, absolutely. I'm sorry. I thought you were. No, no, I thought you were. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, but with that said, um, even in that, here's the challenge, and this is a lot of what the caller Emil was saying at the moment. Um, again, the, that question that day was, is America trying to kill us? And so part of what he was talking about from a scientific literacy standpoint was it, even beyond seeking the information, um, an area of weakness in a sense of a, in a society that is now, in a sense, less scientific literate, right? And so the issue is in seeking information, um, quite often we seek information from a confirmation bias standpoint. And so if you already kind of have an idea of what you think, for example, about this vac- you know, vaccination, right, then you will just basically go seek information that confirms what you already believe. And he was actually challenging that for all the information that's being thrown out you, thrown, thrown at you, that how do you decide what's right, what's valid versus what's not. And the way that you can't do that is to simply just rock with the information you agree with. And, you know, and so I just wanted to kind of pull that out of that conversation because, um, you know, kind of as he mentioned, the idea of, in a sense, us being controlled and, you know, let's be very honest when it comes to the, the health condition of our community, this obviously came to light during this time, right? When it came to the COVID-19 and of course there's plenty of people in our community be like, well, why, why is, why do they care so much about black people at this time? If if you see the recent push um, by the American medical association in reference to even quote unquote highlighting or pushing the vaccine specifically in the black community. And people are saying, see, the fact that they're pushing it uh, makes me extra skeptical uh, without considering that um, the AMA, who is headed um, by, you know, a sister right now, who's very aware, for example, of our vaccine hesitancy, right, that I'm talking about that, uh, that exists in our community specifically. Um, it's not, and we're not the only community that, that, that exhibits vaccine hesitancy, but we exhibit the most. And rightfully so, right? We, we've done that show talking about vaccine trials and things of that nature, that there is a very um, unfortunate history in this country for why we would have the most vaccine hesitancy. And so while that makes sense, nobody considers that in her position, she's like, she's taking a position that I have to try to educate my community the most because they have the most vaccine hesitancy, rightfully so. She said that herself, right? She said it's very valid why they feel that way, but in reality, if this thing is going to help, then we're going to ramp up the messaging and the education to our community. And so some people are looking at what they see as the extra push in our community as, uh, you know, why trying to push it on us without realizing her hands are in her, you know, in the sense the sister that's heading the AMA, get, you know, kind of responsible for, uh, to a certain extent, being over the, you know, the medical field to a certain extent. She's actually, in a sense, pushing 
the advertising because she knows where we, how, in a sense, generally speaking, how a lot of us think within our community when it comes to this vaccine, for example. Um, any thoughts on that before we even run to a next, an, another cut? Um, you know, because, you know, again, it's just kind of trying to think it all the way out, which in my opinion is beyond just seeking the information because we can't seek information that we like. That's, that's, that's the challenge that I have. But any thoughts on any of, any of that, um, Amber? Oh, no. I I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I um, I just think that with what I was trying to say is that I want all of the information. Absolutely. I want all of it, you know. Um, and so I, I think it's a good thing that we are a target group of people that need the information, you know, correct information, uh, regardless if it's something I agree with or not. I want all of it <laughs> so that I can No, absolutely, navigate. and that's how you make the best decision. Yeah, that's how you make the mm-hmm. best, best decision, look at it, see what makes sense. Um, I'll say this, and we'll move on to another cut. Um, but I had a dialogue with a um, brother uncle calls into the show from time to time this week specifically about the vaccine. And he made this amazing, a great point when we were having a dialogue, and he was just saying that, because, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of people pushing a lot of misinformation. Um, even I put up a post on Facebook maybe about a week ago, uh, for example, talking about Rupert Murdoch, who's the who owns Fox, right? And he was, in a sense, first in line for vaccine, but his station pushes a bunch of misinformation about the vaccine, and then he gets in line first. Like, how hypocritical, you know, is that? or what Brother Aunt pointed out in our dialogue was the idea that those who are, in a sense, pushing misinformation, that they're not even honest about where they're getting the information from. And what he he meant by that is, you know, from from a, like you said, getting all of the information aspect, the scientists are telling us what's good about it and telling us what the side effects are. And so the point that Brother Aunt was making is, well, if you just take the side effects and run with that and push the, only that part of it, you're not even being honest about the fact that you're having to get the information from the, from the very same people that you're saying don't trust. Because we only know the good and bad want all the tests to run, if that makes sense, right? So, so the very people you're saying don't trust are the very people that are saying, hey, here's the side effect or here's, here's you know, what can go wrong, this is what the trial has said. And so if you just run with the bad without realizing – the scientists are just putting out all the information. And, again, like Neil said in his cut, with a, with a level of scientific literacy, we would have a better take on how to look at that. So that's kind of all I'll say about that. But, again, I thought that was just a great point um, by um, Brother Unt when he mentioned that in our dialogue. We actually got a caller. Let me throw that out there before we go to the next cut. For anybody out there listening, as we are doing these cuts, if you want to get in, please call us at 646-787-1691. We are opening up the lines for you to actually co-host with us until another caller wants to get in. So we actually got a caller that wants to get in right now, so we'll open up the line and, and, and get us another co-host. Area code 817, last 3691. I think that is Mickey. I hope I got that right, King, if that's you. Um, get in this thing with us, brother. Thanks for calling in. Hey, man, my pleasure. Uh, so good morning, Montoya, and your co-host's name is Amber. Is that correct? Yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good yeah. morning. She holds it, she hold it Amber, down with 
And I, I got my coffee about eight fifty, so I hope you got yours rolling. Ooh, you, 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 yes, you, you, yes. you you pick it up a little bit, but uh, thank you for getting <laughs> on holiday weekend and all that. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the vaccine piece first. Um, I have, and I want to say this with the with the hopes that somebody is listening and maybe I can inspire them to keep their mind open and grow. Because I have from the first conversation you and I had Montoya on it um, I was come from a medical background meaning that I, I worked in the medical field doing medical sales so exposed to a lot of data somewhat savvy at interpreting clinical data trials um, using that in a in a sales capacity so to speak to educate physicians and patients um, to make informed decisions so I'm fairly literate in that regard and, and very comfortable with with that piece of it but even having said that I still found myself um, defaulting to a level of, I would say, historical groupthink to some extent in that I'm not getting the vaccine mm-hmm. right off the bat, you know, and just it was, it was such an easy and convenient position to go to. And then I just mm-hmm. started, of course, you know me, I, I will research things for sure, uh, cross-reference things. Mm-hmm. I, I watch all the major news outlets and do all that, but I, I will, you know, I will go out and research um, who, CDC, data, and all that. So, I try to be as thorough as I can be. And I'm now, as as it stands today, I am extremely comfortable getting the vaccine for a couple of reasons. One, the the way that the rollout is coming. I think a lot of my initial statements were based on the moment it's approved, we're all going to have access to it. Well, by the time it makes it to to my demographic, meaning Mm -hmm. my age, my health status, and, um, and those types of things, there will have been millions of people that have received this vaccine. And one thing that, mm-hmm. to understand about clinical trials uh, and the data that comes from that, you, you keep hearing this number of 90% um, efficacy, 90%. They'll sometimes, the misnomer is they'll say effectiveness, but in a clinical trial, the proper term is actually efficacy. That is the number, how, how um, the impact that it had on that population of people that they treated in a controlled environment. What people really want to know and you, you, you juxtapose that with the term effectiveness. That's what happens in the real world once it's actually deployed and used in, in the people. So when I'm thinking about millions of people, which they never – I can't think of a clinical trial that's ever had millions of people in it. So when you get it into the real world, by the time it reaches us, and I'll assume that Amber sounds very youthful and she's probably younger than I am, by the time it gets to us, there will be so much information available, and there will be multiple vaccines available at this time. So that gives me a, a lot more comfort because that information will emerge. I am not of a mindset that if people were getting a vaccine and six months later or three months later they were dying, that that is going to be suppressed. I feel confident enough in my ability to go out and, and confirm how effective it is in, 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 the, in the real world. Um, with regards to side effects, I don't care what you're taking. You can have a side effect from a supplement, from a vitamin. So, I'm not downplaying sure. side effects. Just understand the extent and and um, the the prevalence of that side effect. If, if the side effect occurs 10 percent of the time, 20 percent of the time more, yes, delve into that. But a lot of anything that happens during, and I apologize because I'm rambling, but this is this is important to me because no, I, no, you're not rambling. I'll, you're I'll, actually. I'll, um, I'll, no, okay. this is, I love how you're okay. walking through this so, thing, and it's very important at this time of year. If people, as Amber said, let's get all the information. So I appreciate this. You're not rambling. Please continue. Okay. So 
so with with that with that in mind, I lost my train of thought a little bit. But with regards to the uh, just with, with the side You're talking effects, about the, the uh, vaccine, how how often the vaccine, your yeah, side effects, how often that's just ten percent yeah. or twenty percent. Look into that. But go ahead. Correct. Yeah, but 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 assess the data. But um, the the fact that there's going to be multiple vaccines, which means you would have options, and you can get a side effect from anything. Oh, that's what I was going to say. In in, in any clinical trial. Anything that happens that is not an expected outcome, meaning that the drug either worked or didn't work, if you break out with a rash, if someone dies, they could literally have a heart attack that had nothing to do with the drug itself. They have to report it. Are there instances Mm -hmm. historically where information has, where a company wanted a drug out so badly that they may not have reported uh, a death or suicide because in their mind, they, they they broke the rules, they broke the law, didn't do it, but they knew they, they felt in their heart it didn't have anything to do with the drug, so they suppressed yes, it has happened. Will it happen again? Probably so. But by and large, the 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 amount of money and time it takes to go into developing a drug, it is imperative that people follow the protocols and they don't want to risk that. So it has to be disclosed. So a number of adverse events will occur less than 1% of the time. And then the ones that you hear in the commercials or that, uh, that the head of the CDC or the head of the um, mm-hmm. AMA will, will talk to are the ones that are most common, you know, and it may be things like diarrhea, headache, those kind of things. But it does not necess- – it still doesn't undermine the effectiveness of that drug in the real world and how it applies. And many of us, I would imagine, got vaccinated when we were children and knew nothing about that. And our parents probably knew and had access to way less information. So all that to say that I am now um, pro-educating myself on the options of the vaccines that are out there. By the time it's readily available for me, I will get the vaccine. I think it may be a couple months, but regardless, I would do that. Lastly, I want to close with this. It's kind of a summary of things that you you touched on. Hey, can you Some do this? Can you do this? Can you hold yeah. it? Let me let me throw yeah. let me throw a quick break in there and let you do the summary coming out yeah. of the break. Is that okay, cool? cool? Cool. Yeah, let's get this break in here, absolutely. man. No, absolutely. absolutely. It's still the holiday season, so we're gonna go ahead and hit y'all with this Taylor Pace. Uh <laughs> enjoy yeah, you know what I mean? It's still holiday. It's close yeah, to yeah. Christmas, you know we hey we only one day removed, so we keep the we keep the spirit <laughs> for those that that enjoy that. All right, we'll be right back, right. and uh, we'll get some more from Amber and our, our, new, our new co-host right now, Mickey Dowd. If you want to knock him off the co-host, please call in and, and keep and knock him out. We'll be opening up the line for co-host today, 646-787-1691. Press 1, and we'll get you in on this thing. We'll be right back. Air is freezing. The flakes are falling. The hearts of everyone you love start calling. Kids in the snow playing. While the cookies are baking. Their hillside slaying. And snowmen making. Oh, yeah. Decorations and the lights. As far as the eye can see. Chimney smoke. Clouds the air. But it's quite clear to me. It must be getting close to Christmas. Lit up trees and the snow Tell me Santa's on his way The feeling I get when I go back home Always makes me want to stay Oh, it must be getting close to Christmas Day Nothing like family You've been away for a while Smelling mama's good cook 
Welcome back to the Bitter Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Whether you celebrate the holidays or not, you like that sound, please go look up Square Business Entertainment on all music streaming platforms. Tell you they make that real love music again. It's, you know, for those the holiday festival, I again still enjoy that music myself personally. So, um, love that cut. Um, but with that said, we are enjoying the best of mental dialogue 2020. Got my co-host Amber Page as well as caller Mickey Dalton on the line with us. You can call in and become our new co-host at six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Mickey wanted to give a summary to again the initial dialogue was from a. Our show, Is America Trying to Kill Us? And we've just kind of been dialoguing about that. And uh, we'll get this summary for Mickey and move into our next show cut. All right, Mickey, go ahead. What you were trying to uh, say, you wanted to summarize your thoughts. If you will. Go ahead, King. Yes. Uh, point number one, um, if you're reluctant to get the vaccine, I implore you to educate yourself, um, challenge that fear. And um, the the I think you'll find that it, it will be certainly more uh, beneficial for you to do so. Uh, with regards to us getting to a better place, people say getting back to normal. I don't know if that'll actually. I think our normal will be very new and different. Um, but research that and, and challenge that fear. Um, you've been vaccinated. Most people that I know have been vaccinated before, and this could be another opportunity to do so. The other thing I want to say is just speak globally to the mindset of of all people, um, particularly um, people in the black community. Um, it's some very dangerous pitfalls um, in life. Period. They come in a form, a number of forms, but some of the things you all touched on, confirmation bias um, and seeking information that, that corroborates that uh, groupthink um, and ignorance and the, the fact that we move so quickly in today's world, it, 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 the natural byproduct that is, is a level of laziness. And what those things collectively produce, amongst other things, is fear and a lack of action. And then it winds up becomes this vicious cycle. That lack of action keeps you into confirmation bias, keeps you ignorant, keeps you lazy to, to go that extra mile. And I just want us to really challenge that paradigm. I mean, we have to be more proactive and resist our natural temptation to, 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 to go, you know, to just go to social media. Everybody says, I don't get my information. So, yes, you do. It, it, it's, if you're looking at it, you, you're going to process to some degree, right? Um, you know, uh, look at all the, the amazing news. Look at, listen, watch Fox. You know, I know people that are, you know, uh, far left that will never watch Fox. No, I want to see what, what Hannity is saying and, and all of them, too, because in, sometimes in their flamboyancy, they, they make some valid points. And I want, okay, I want to understand that perspective as well. So I'm just challenging people to challenge their own paradigms continue to be open-minded and really, really, like your initial caller said in that original clip, you know, um, do, do, do research and look for the real information and be able to discern what's truthful and what's not. So that's my thoughts. No, I love it. No, I love it. I don't know how much time you got, brother, but uh, you, you want to keep rocking with us. We're about to move into an area of business, and I know enough about you to know that you are a pretty esteemed businessman as well, so uh, you may have some thoughts on this next cut um, that comes from our show. What does excellence in black business look? You will, you know, let me know. Um, I'll keep you on. If not, I'll let you go. What's up with you, King? I, will, I, I can I can hang for a minute. So, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. I'll let okay. you know if I got to jump off. All right. Yeah, Yay. yeah, just jump off when you want to. Or maybe somebody else. I know, right? Or maybe somebody else calls in and knocks you off. If you want to get in, again, yeah. we just keeping y'all on. If y'all if y'all bringing it like this brother right here just brought it, we're going to keep you on. So, you know, if we if we decidedly let you go, don't don't take that no kind of way. <laughs> Uh, with that said, I might kick and fight a little bit, especially if it's a good topic. I'm like, hold on, man, I got something to say. 
Nah, it's all good again. We just trying this, just trying to enjoy and make this last this year go out with a bang. Because again, it's been up and down for everybody. So this next cut again comes from the show. What does excellence in black business look like? This is specifically a cut by Terry Simmons, who we just recently had on the show. Uh, but yeah, you wrong with him as well, Amber. But this is a cut, y'all. Well, actually, this is a cut that you have heard. But either way, want to get both of your thoughts on this cut about capacity within business. I post a lot of videos about the harsh realities of entrepreneurship. And it's not because I'm trying to kill a dream. It's because I'm trying to give birth to a dream. I'm trying to protect the dream. I'm trying to share information with people that can increase the likelihood that they'll be successful. So many people are jumping into entrepreneurship for one reason, one reason only. They're dissatisfied with their career. Um, they have a talent or a gift or a serious hobby that they are passionate, that they want to turn into a business. And the focus is always on the front end of the business. So everybody wants to focus on how do I, how do I get social media followers? How do I build a personal brand? How do I build my company's brand? How do I generate leads? How do I close sales? How do I get contracts? But the truth of the matter is, none of that stuff will work until you learn how to build capacity. So when we start having conversations about capacity and infrastructure, eh, there are not many conferences that are touching on that. You know why? Because most people that are influencers just want to get you emotionally aroused, and they don't want to really give you the meat and potatoes of what's going to really make you successful. The bottom line, I'm going to use an analogy. It would be like saying, I want to be a race car driver, but all you focus on is the design, um, the contour, and the graphics on the outside of the vehicle. You don't focus at all on the engine and the capacity for the engine to generate speed and power. That's what it's like when we don't pay attention to the back end of our businesses. So some of my videos, I already know the ones that are going to get a lot of traction and the ones that may get limited visibility, but I put the ones out that I know that are going to get limited visibility because that's the most important information. The bottom line is you got to build infrastructure. You have to have systems. You have to have processes. You have to have an ability to attract and retain talent, to develop talent. That's where businesses are made. So... Let's just say if you're, you're a pastry chef and you, you put together these amazing designs and, you know, your, your desserts and your cakes, uh, they taste delectable and everybody loves it. But you can only pump out five cakes a week because it's just you and you don't have a, you don't, there are no, there are no written recipes, there are no written processes. So you can't bring in someone that doesn't have your natural gift or that doesn't have your level of training or education and have them duplicate it. Then you will always own a job. You will always put out five to seven cakes a week. Meanwhile, someone that learns about co-packing and manufacturing and distribution and builds a sales team and has a recall plan and all of the stuff that knows about preservatives and all this other stuff, they're going to go on to make millions and millions of dollars and their cakes may taste like shit just because they have the capacity so understand, like when I post these videos about, you know, don't, a lot of these coaches and influencers are telling you it's all about passion, it's all about working hard, it's all about followers, that stuff is important, but it's not more important than infrastructure and capacity. Infrastructure, capacity, infrastructure, capacity, systems, standard, standard operating procedures, processes, uh, leveraging technology, that's what's going to get you to seven figures. 
Love y'all. Hope this was useful. Go make it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show as you're enjoying the best of Mental Dialogue 2020. That, again, that cut comes from our show, What Does Excellence in Black Business Look Like? Amber, I know you've heard that before, but what are your thoughts as you hear T- Terry just kind of break down uh, the, the infrastructure and capacity of what, a, in a sense, a, a successful business looks like? Any thoughts from you, Queen? Um, what I just What just resonates with me is dreams. And what he was describing um, is important to building dreams. Like, you don't want to just be a a baker or, you know, you want to spend some time setting up your business for long-term success. So dream is just what I kept hearing listening to him. It takes work to build a dream. Nah, fair enough. Any thoughts from you, um, Mickey, again, for anybody out there, you can be a co-host. Just call in and press one, and we'll get you in on the best of Mental Dialogue 2020. But, Mickey, what, you, what did you hear um, in that cut from Terry Simmons um, as well? Yeah, um, I was actually on that call. and um, The entire call was, was another another banger for you because um, uh, the host that you had on was strong as well. But I do remember that cut. And for me, um, I felt like he was speaking the language of some of the things that I, I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, I do have a talent, a skill set that I've turned into a business and um, that I'm trying to get to a more profitable state. And But what the, what I took from that, I translate his, what he says in capacity and infrastructure, that's scalability to me. It is properly preparing, you know, of the five Ps, proper preparation, prevents full performance. I'm all my job in my business as the leader of a team of creatives is that I have to make sure that we have a roadmap to success long term. So I'm always thinking six months and a year and ahead to have. So are, are we really properly prepared for success that when this thing goes to another level, we're able to, uh, in my world, produce the music that they want on a customized level and at the volume that they want. So we're not a brick and mortar business, but the, the concept of what he's talking about, um, and I am proud of our infrastructure uh, because I was deliberate about that. So scalability, uh, the ability, the ability to scale quickly and then scale back down, right? Um, if you're talking about tangible products, you go out here and you know I want to get in the t-shirt business, and I'm gonna make ten thousand t-shirts. And you've seen this back when people were selling CDs. Some people still got nine hundred fifty-five of the one thousand CDs they 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 printed back in two thousand mm-hmm. because they didn't have, have a plan to scale or to, to, to scale backwards. So that's what stood out to me. Um, I think it is something that is, is not spoken to very much, and I think it's part of the reason why people, once the passion on the front end of the business fades, they don't have anything driving them, um, and ultimately they're not successful. Uh, why 90% of small businesses fail because they, they haven't thought beyond the first six months or a year building out that infrastructure and that capacity uh, so they can be scalable. So that's, that's what I took from. No, absolutely. I remember that, that same show saying to Terry as well as the other guests um, that, you know, in reality, when it comes specifically to our community, generally speaking at this point and at this stage, a lot of us are great technicians. So kind of like the example he was given, like, you know, for example, they came, somebody came, they can't make a better cake than me or whatever, but again, if I don't 
set up the processes. I'm getting outdone by somebody who, who makes a terrible cake because, as he said in the cut, they've set up the infrastructure. They've set up the capacity to be able to hit more people, uh, you know, to be you uh, are the best at what you do, but it's not scalable. And, and again, I even want to say that, you know, not that everybody wants to do that. It's okay. Um, to be self-employed. Like sometimes I want to always remind people of that. Terry's always big on that. Um, when we had him on the show just a few weeks ago, uh, you know, we even got into the dialogue of, you know, while people are pushing entrepreneurship and being in business, um, Terry's of the mindset, and I think I agree with this, that you really, in a sense, have to know if you have a talent to, in a sense, be the visionary to have a scalable business or whatever. And so sometimes, you know, working a job or just even staying self-employed is a-okay. Um, you know, that's definitely been, you know, more of my situation, but I do like to learn from even, you know, people like yourself, Nico, you know, how can I scale even more with what I've been doing? So it's still a learning process. Uh, but yes, you know, a lot of times we do not move beyond in a sense, being those technicians, we are up against our next break. So when we come out of the break, uh, like I say, Nikki, just let me know at any time you got to go. For the caller that's out there, if you're wanting to get in, I see a caller out there. You do have to press one if you're just enjoying the show, no problem. For those online, if you want to join us and become our new co-host, uh, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, it's 646-787-1691. You have to press one to let us know you want to join us. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everyone I know goes and everyone I be. It's dedicated to Ahmad Arbery, if you will. Um, the piece is called Black Socrates Speaks to Different Americas. The only reason many of you still get angry over the audacity of white folks is because you refuse to accept that we still live in two different Americas. This statement isn't an indictment of all white people. But just as Muhammad Ali once said, if a bunch of snakes are coming down a hill, should I wait to see which ones are friendly? Martin Luther King was right about being judged for characteristics other than my skin. However, that was just the starting point, and the easiest place to find that starting point is among my own. There is insulation amongst my own, among my own community, although I surely will find snakes within my own as well. That is no different than any other race, but I prefer to find out about other races on an individual basis while keeping in mind the institutions of this country are not set up in my favor, especially the justice system. Hence, I limit my interactions with white people in general and only with those who exhibit sincerity in fellowship and to some degree friendship. For those still hoping for the colorblind society America has yet to achieve, my intentions of insulating myself will be deemed as wrong 
and in opposition to Dr. King's dreams. However, since I live in a different America, they will not understand that this position is safest for me. I do not have the privilege of being colorblind. Bernard Kinsey, the co-owner, along with his wife Shirley, of the largest collection of African-American artifacts in the U.S., believes the aim of a colorblind society was a mistake since we often fail to respect one another's differences due to our own ignorance and fear. Also, in many cases, it is inevitable to notice another's race along with whatever assumptions one may have, true or false, about that race. Therefore, it is a bold-faced lie to say, I don't see color. Instead, Kinsey suggests the goal of our American melting pot should be to become color-rich, in which we are curious about our racial differences, and that in itself would garner the respect we all desire as human beings. Beings. Again, colorblind is problematic because the effort to see each other as the same is not okay when the bar for being the same or considered an American has historically been set by whites, hence two different Americas. Since this is our country's unfortunate reality, I implore black people to no longer appeal to the psychological bar that sets whiteness as righteousness. Do not seek their empathy, and God knows do not be surprised by their audacity or their privilege or their ability to kill a black man running down their road. For blacks that disagree, you can wait at the bottom of the hill for the good stakes if you like, but as for myself, I'll take my chances amongst my own in a black enclave building up our community. Visitors are welcome, but not invited. Maria is the guest. I'll get your thoughts on that piece. Well, my initial thoughts are, you know, I definitely agree with you in terms of uh, this notion of being colorblind. I find it very dismissive, um, dismissive in the sense of the All Lives Matter <laughs> movement, um, or All Lives Matter, rather. So I really do, I, I read this piece um, when you sent it to me uh, last night, I believe, and, and I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, the whole uh, when you made the uh, analogy to the snakes uh, coming down the hill and looking and, and waiting for the good one. Um, I think now that's probably one area where I kind of pause because I consider myself a humanist as well, right? And so the humanist in me has a very hard time accepting that um, one particular race over the other is a certain way, generally speaking. It's very difficult for me to accept that. And so it, I, I probably would disagree um, just with that part, but overall, just your your um, assertions with regard to, you know, our history in America, and um, if we look at our past and present, how we are treated, I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with you seeking isolation uh, within self and within your own community. I mean, if that's what you want to do and that is empowering for you, I think that you should absolutely do that. And by doing that, I think it would give you a a sense of direction and also some boosted confidence with regard to the the direction that you want to go in in life moving forward, whether you choose to work with, collaborate with white people or someone else outside of the culture – I think it's best to do that when you are grounded in who you are and what your culture is. So, I mean, I really enjoyed the piece, and I, for the most part, I pretty much agree with most of what you're saying. 
And what you just said is the key. Insulation, not isolation, is my focus. Let me say that just to even clarify that for you. And so being grounded in yourself, it is the idea of that self-esteem that allows our next generation to navigate the world. This is is America, so I am not speaking isolation, but I am really, it's really almost a bow to your beautiful idea, your brilliant idea that you brought to this table, the idea of remigrating back towards one another, so it's just lo- it's just growing up in in the sense of uh, you know those who've grown up with the idea of leaving the hood or getting out of the hood and have went on to be quote unquote successful. It's bringing that money back to ensure that these these schools that we've always said were bad, if if we're in them, let's improve them. Have our children grow up with their esteem and go navigate the world. It's just a ma- a matter of loving amongst one another. It's it's allowing Ahmad Artberry to run in the neighborhood where he's expected to be versus what that experience, if you will, is the opportunity of by living near one another, what it naturally creates. It creates majorities within local political Situation. So now we control the local co- politics. Again, there are only a couple of major metropolitan areas where we are the majority. We are typically not, and so it's a lot that can fall from insulation. I am not advocating isolation, and I even throw this out, pointed out within the piece that uh, at the end of the day, the evaluation of any group has to come on an individual level, but based on American history, there is safety to live near my own. That is the bigger point. Um, Latrice. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, well, not again. That actually comes from one of our, again, these are our top shows of the year. That comes from the show, Should Black People Reorient Themselves from Whiteness? So, Amber, I think that's your first time hearing that one. If you will, Queen, um, give me your thoughts. As I, again, shared a piece and you heard the dialogue from, uh, one of our guests, Maria Lloyd, um, in reference to it. What did you catch or what stood out to you as well? Um, I, I really don't have anything more to say about that piece other than Amar Arbery should have been able to run wherever. You know, I do understand the need for us to have communities where we look out for each other, you know, where it's a safe place. Those are just standard things that, you know, you need, you know, safety being one of them. So that, that's all I have on it. Okay. So before I bring Mickey in, I'm going to challenge you on that thought. And, again, that's just obviously – because of my piece. So what what so I think it's the idea of that he should be able to run anywhere. I think it's again not accepting the reality that in a sense there's a risk that that you cannot and again I'm not trying to create an a fear monger situation that you can't run in other neighborhoods or you can't be in mixed neighborhoods. That's not what I'm saying mm-hmm. here. But I move from the standpoint of of I don't in a sense, I don't emotionally occur rage when I see something that has historically happened in this country. So when it happens again, I don't come from a space of surprise or a space of, well, he should be able to when there's history that kind of shows why it ain't always the case. And so out of 
love and some level of emotion attached to again that brother losing his life so senselessly then the the concept is well in a sense if we were in a sense remigrating and living in majority communities and, and and building up our communities then it would be less likely to see you know one of those situations so if you understand I know I said a lot there but I'm just wanting to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. in the sense that while I, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing that we should be able to, but I'm saying to you, what has America shown us? How, like, what do you think of, yeah. of me challenging that thought of, in my opinion, the idea that it should be is why we experience even more rage when these things happen. Um, do you kind of understand where I'm going with that, Hope? Yeah. It's new to... Any, any thoughts? No, I, I don't have any thoughts on it. Okay. Um, Mickey, you're still on the line with me. Um, any thoughts? I'm, I mean, I, I know I'm saying a lot in there, but I'm really trying to um, get yeah. into well, no, a lot no, of I, nuance. I, I was, I, yeah, no, I, I, was, I had some other points that I want to touch on, but uh, with regards to that, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it's unfor- it's, it's it contributes, it's, that, it's, it's one of those layers that make, us as black people unique and that we have to have that extra layer of awareness and consideration of said scenario, whether it's where you jog, where you shop, um, even to, you know, in a lot of instances, how you dress and really how you carry yourself because the, there are, there's a population of people that will interpret that um, in a negative, aggressive or hostile manner, even when there's no, no malintent. So that is, that's part of the, the frustration and the, uh, the pushback that, that you I'll say just the frustration that you see From a, a lot of us in that Man I, I should be able To move in any neighborhood I want to Or even if I don't Live in that neighborhood I should be able to I should be able to do that But the reality is Because the world will remind you of who, who they see you what they, he, who, who, they, who you are And what they see you as So um, that is part Of the, the, the other points that I was going to make I was on the forefront of this colorblind society coming out of high school. I thought in my heart that it was really, I thought that was our mission of the, the Generation X was to, uh, as the children of, of the movement, of the moving from the 60s to, to take this thing to another mm-hmm. level, that we can be colorblind and, and do that. And just through life experience, maturity, and, and, and self-actualization, for me, the more appropriate position is to not do that. And it's, Let's state the obvious. We are different. However, um, we can appreciate each other's differences. We need to appreciate each other's differences, um, mm-hmm. not let that hold us back so that we can coexist more effectively, whether that be in a friendship, um, in business. Uh, I can go down a, a multitude of, of, of facets of life where that, that, that would make us more effective. Um, so, yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was on the front of that movement. I was. And... Um, you know, I default to giving people the benefit of the doubt and prove to me that, and I don't, this is not germane to race. Whoever you, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, some level of trust. Prove to me that you're one of the bad snakes. You know what I mean? I'm going to protect myself to an extent. I'm not just going to give everything to you, but I, I try. That's one of my counter mechanisms to my inherent biases or my reluctance because I was born with a trust deficit. And um, so I have to fight that and, and give a little bit of trust and prove me wrong that you're, you're not worthy of it. And 
as a result, you know, while I have a network, my inner circle is really small. So um, that's kind of a long-winded answer to, to, to that, but that's, I just want to touch on those points. No, no, all that, all that applies. I mean, I think it's just great dialogue, and I think what you're saying is actually what I said in the piece. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, please give room to the individual, because that's how all relationships are built, you know what I mean? But just from a broad standpoint, uh, there's a level of insulation in the sense of some things I just don't have to go through living near my own, you know, if we will, and especially if I live near my own with the mindset of, you know, in a sense, the best are not leaving the neighborhood, but the best are returning to the neighborhood to build up those neighborhoods. So if we, if, if we were to, in a sense, collectively start doing some of that, then some of the things that we say we're concerned about, quote unquote, in the hood, even some of that might go away. And so it makes even more sense, in my opinion, to have a level of in insulation again that's not no interaction definitely not advocating isolation but it just comforts a few basic safety you know things as well as even in education when you're educated in that type of situation the education looks a lot different quite often as well you know what i mean versus you're going to live in the side of town where you don't see yourselves at school nowhere in the books if that makes sense so um so you know so you have to you know, challenge your own level of self-respect, even when you have to navigate the rest of the world, because at the end of the day, we are a global society. And so isolation, everything dies in isolations. And so I always like to clarify that in my, you know, at least in how I'm using the term, insulation is not isolation. I really try to make those things distinctive, but there is some safety in that, in my opinion. We are at the top of the hour, so we're going to play another cut so I can prove the point that Taylor Pace and them have some of the dopest R&B music We'll play one of my uh, favorite songs from the morning by Taylor Pace. We'll play this. We'll come back. Mickey, you still good? Or you need to go. I'll definitely respect the time, King. I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'll, I'll practice and let you know. If all I'm right, well. I'm enjoying this. So. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Y'all just wait till you tell me. Anybody else wants to get in and dialogue with us? Please, I see one caller out there. Press one if you want to become our new co-host. For anybody else, the number is six four six. 787-1691. Again, you have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. Here's the song Morning by Taylor Pace from Square Business Entertainment.
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page. Again, anybody out there wants to call in, the number is 646-787-1691. And the question today is, again, we do our show in the form of a question, did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue 2020 as we're playing different cuts? Uh, right now we got Mickey Dalton holding down out of Dallas, Texas. All right, we got another caller that's about to get in here. Mickey, oh, actually, they left. Okay. Uh, maybe they got, got hung up by accident. They was trying to get in, then we left. So, all right, Mickey, you still with us. I was about to knock you off. <laughs> but um, to get this thing started, <laughs> you, you uh, we're going to play check, a cut. You can at least check and see if they want to be on. <laughs> no, they they actually hung up right when I was about to put them on. They, so, you know, so yeah, they, they made, sometimes people they, get knocked off. All right. They, yeah, they sometimes they, people they get knocked off. So they, I, I can't even check on them right now. Yeah. All right, I, I can't even check on them right now. Okay, all right, they made it back. They made it back. So let me see. Let me see what's going on. Uh, Mickey, thank you for holding us down for the first hour, man. I'm going to put you on hold just for a second, and let's check out our next caller. Got it. Uh, area code 504, last three, 065. Give us your name, where you're calling from. Yeah, Eric from New Orleans. How y'all doing today? Hey, what's going on, Eric? Man, we're going to let you go ahead. Are you, are you down to take over this co-host thing? I'm going to let the, the, the previous co-host, extra co-host get let go if you're you down to hold it down with us. I just got to let me see if you got some time for it. Uh, well, we're still doing some work. I just wanted to uh, chime in in terms of how do you distinguish isolation versus insulation? Uh, you said how did, did you ask me a question? I'll make sure I heard you. I didn't hear you. Oh, yes, correct. yeah, yeah. What's the distinction between insulation versus uh, okay. isolation? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. No, I'll be glad to, yeah, at least, in, again, I got, you know, this is just a piece that I wrote. Um, but I look at the isolation mm-hmm. uh, for, for, as the standpoint of, and people kind of talk this way, uh, the idea of, I see isolation as some people look at it from the same standpoint of, like, separation or even uh-huh. even when people highlight the idea of when we were segregated. Like, sometimes even people look back on that time and be like, but well, this is how the community was when we were segregated. And so some people advocate for separation. So in my mind, mm-hmm. um, isolation would be separation, if you will, whereas I see mm-hmm. insulation in a sense of just the opportunity for our children to grow up in, you know, in schools where they're educated about themselves in addition to the rest of the education that they might need or whatever. But uh-huh. there's a level of self-esteem that I think you experience Versus like myself, for example, being the only black boy in my class until like the fifth grade or something, if you will. You know what I mean? And so, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So just developing a healthy level of self, because at the end of the day, if you respect yourself, then everybody, you make everybody respect you and you navigate the world that much better. So in a sense, that's what I'm saying. Being able to live in neighborhoods where the police isn't saying, well, why are you in this neighborhood? Because, you know, even the idea of insulation to where you have community policing. So that's kind of a broader concept of what I mean by insulation and how I distinguish it from isolation or separation. Go ahead, though. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at all possibilities, you know, from integration to isolation. Now, you know, I guess I look at our ancestors, you know, pre-enslavement, when our ancestors were in Africa, and then the white man, the racist white man came by, and uh, the enslavement process began, and then you have what, what Indians or Native Americans, however you want to phrase that, that group, you know, they were here, and then the integration of the white races came and disturbed that isolation, and we see what happened to their plight here in the United States and America. So I think it's worth looking at all 
aspect, whether it's isolation or integration, and see which one will um, take you the farthest. I think right now it would be very difficult to be an isolationist uh, because it, we really don't have the infrastructure, if you all talked about earlier, to really be 100% self-sustaining. Self, um, but I think uh, as much as possible, when the opportunity arrives, I think it's worth taking a look at and see if you can ben- benefit from being an isolationist, if, if it can actually um, take you further down the road in terms of progress. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we respect all opinions. Uh, what I would say, and again, this is what we do on Mr. Dialogue, so I would challenge it from this standpoint. Um, I, um, in my opinion, just looking at history, um, yeah. Any any group that has isolated themselves, whether intentionally or sometimes geographically, uh, obviously we can touch each other now. Mm-hmm. We live in the technology mm-hmm. age, but if you look at history, right. and so I would even mm-hmm. say that to a certain extent, um, I do agree when you said the term, for example, um, you know, in a sense, Europeans coming here and disturbing the isolation uh, isolation of the Native Americans. So, so in that sense, I agree with the term, but the perspective I would give to you is, the idea of, in, in a sense, having to be able to compete, what you have found in history is groups that have interacted with others have always advanced mm-hmm. more so um, than those who have done less in interaction. And so when those two groups come together, you end up seeing a power dynamic just like you see what happened in that situation. Um, and I, it's, it's countless examples around the world where, the, the in a sense, quote-unquote, the conquering group was able to conquer due to their interaction with other groups and create advancements because they had, you know, one group had this advancement and this group had this advancement. They put them together and now they have something from a, you know, whether it be a war weapon or a scientific weapon or, you know, not even a, everything about even a weapon, mm-hmm. it's just even to be able to be healthier or whatever, or be stronger just because of an interaction with another group. When they go meet that group mm-hmm. in isolation, if it becomes a battle, the group that had interaction always oh, conquers the group that's isolated. Like that's what I've seen consistently throughout history. And every time groups interact, it doesn't become that because sometimes you create alliances and it's not that. But the isolation groups mm-hmm. always die again, you know, whether it's a, be a geography, be a intention. And in a global world where now we can literally touch people around the world on a, with a push of a button. I cannot. I couldn't uh-huh. imagine that isolation ever would be successful, in my opinion. I'll give you a thought on that and see if you know, Amber, if you got any thoughts on that as well. Go ahead. Yeah, give me you know what you know whatever your response is. Please love to hear it. My response or Amber's response? Well, yeah, you go ahead and respond. Oh, well, yeah, let me. Oh, Amber, oh, go ahead. Oh, and Amber, she can go ahead. Yeah, she, yeah, Amber can go ahead. Yeah. Hello, Amber. Are you there? Oop, I'm sorry. I was on mute. Can you hear me? God, go ahead, Queen. Yeah, we can hear you now. Go ahead, Queen. I'm always going to want to be in a situation where it's diverse. I'm never, I'm never going to want to isolate myself. Um, diversity. I like all, I mean, like all groups of of people in one location for me, it gives me a opportunity each day to learn something else from another culture. I don't particularly understand this 
isolation versus insulation. I'm not really understanding where you're going with that. No, no, fair enough. Um, Eric, any thoughts on, on, you know, what she had to say or, or, or even if, mm-hmm. you know, since you asked that same question, maybe let me hear your yeah. understanding of what I, you know, like versus me saying it again, what did you understand, you know, in my dialogue, in my response to you about right. the difference between isolation and insulation? What did you, what do you feel like you understood about uh, what I was saying? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm just a novice, you know, uh, but I understand that a lot of times wherever you find blacks throughout the world, they're going to be at the bottom. Generally in Mexico, you have um, African Mexicans, and they're at the bottom of the you know socioeconomic scale or ladder. Um, of course, here in the United States, you know blacks at the at the very bottom. Okay, uh, if you go to um, India or Europe or a lot of the European countries where you do have blacks who have migrated from, say, Africa to France, Italy, England, you know they they face a lot of strife and stress, you know, and they're generally going to be at the bottom of the scale. So I don't see a lot of evidence so far that indicates when Africans go to other countries and they're integrated with other societies and other groups that they're benefiting all that well. I would love to see them to be able to stay in their own independent countries and continent and develop their own resources so that they can be independent and compete with other groups. But generally, when we do go to other areas, uh, we face racism and, again, are at the bottom of economic and political development. So that's why I look at isolationism as being an option definitely to research. No, fair enough on the thoughts. So we actually, um, for the caller that's out there, if you're looking to get in, you do have to press one. Uh, right now we we got, um, I'll say your first name again, brother Eric. Is it Eric? Did I get it right? Yeah, Eric. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep, Eric out of New Orleans on the line with us right now, co-hosting with us. I want to play, actually we're going to talk up to the next break, so I want to play another cut, which so it takes us slightly in a different direction, but let me make sure I take care of our sponsor. I got Big Sis Media um, out here, one of our sponsors, so I want to make sure we get that info out. If you're looking for websites or graphic designs, Big Sis Media is definitely the way to go. Break and go go straight into another cut that will take us in a different direction. Again, this is the best of Mental Dialogue 2020. Hope y'all are out here enjoying it. Y'all can get in with us and become our new co-host. All you have to do is call in and knock Eric off by calling in at 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 
definitely wanted to get into what Dr. King was speaking about before we did the Money and Power 15. Uh, and, and she was just talking about basically the history um, that, as she said, in reality, slavery is not that long ago. Um, you know, but quite often, put, trying to put it in perspective, people will quite often say, well, you know, why do African Americans look back to slavery? It was so long ago, and, and, and in this country, we've made so much progress since that time. That's what you will hear um, quite often in the majority culture, and even amongst African Americans who say, you know, I ain't looking back at slavery. Slavery ain't now, you know, that type of thing. But what we fail to respect about that time is the actual trauma that was rendered to our ancestors during the world's worst holocaust the 246 year holocaust but we fail to recognize from that time is the particular trauma that our ancestors faced during slavery and they're now having the new scientific studies that talk about the fact that trauma can actually be passed down genetically as well, uh, not just physical ailments and things that disease that we you know see from generation to generation, but they're having the studies to prove that trauma itself can be passed down and some, some months ago on this show, we did an excellent show with Dr. Consuela Ward in which we did a show about post-traumatic slave syndrome, which is a term coined by Dr. George Gray, who, who talks about the behaviors that were that come out of slave times on our ancestors that we are still dealing with today. So when I asked the question, do black men hate their women? And we spent the first hour saying clearly there's an issue with the way that we not only value our women, but what is it in particular that keeps our African-American men or us as black men stepping up to wholly protect our sisters as we should? And Dr. King offered before the Money and Power 15, she offered the idea that that self-hatred that we in particularly are, are, are still having to contend with in a, in a in a racial in a racist society that still permeates the same narratives that we have to learn to overcome and seek out our own history because it's not given to us in school daily and in seeking it out we we, we we get to a place where we take pride in where we come from and some of us are able to overcome that and, and look at our sister as a, not only as our equal but someone who should be protected at all costs because we are talking about when we talk about our sisters we are talking about the mothers of the earth and Dr. King, when I talked to you about coming on this show for this topic, you know, I said to you, it, it's, it's actually quite shameful that the mother of the earth, the mothers of the earth, you as black women who should be held in the highest esteem, um, and, and this is not about a, a supremacy mindset or anything of that nature, but from the fact that you mother the earth now around the world is looked at the least, and that's a incredible downfall that I say that it's African American men is it's, it's, it's for us to place our woman and value our woman in such a way that it that we don't allow not only ourselves but any other culture to disrespect our women but the reason that we don't I think is 
delves deep into the history of slavery and what was done for us, done to us the day we were brought to this soil and separated. And those those Africans who were enslaved and brought across their water, who were warriors in their in, in their own rights, or or farmers, or scientists, or or teachers, or spiritual leaders, whatever they were, and how they saw themselves, because that's something a big mistake that we've made today is to think that our ancestors saw themselves as slaves. It's just like right now, most men define themselves by what they do to a certain extent. I am a engineer. I am a doctor. I am a truck driver. Whatever the case may be. So. It, the, 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 to understand that those men were brought across that water, those men and women and our children who survived that horrible middle passage, those that survived, brought to a new land, and that woman still hoping that her, her man, her warrior, could actually get them out of this unknown situation. I could only imagine the fear that they faced in that situation. But from the moment that he could no longer protect his woman, I don't know that we've ever recovered or ever thought about what it takes to recover. I will offer that we are contending with a deep-seated psychology of I couldn't protect her then, don't know that I can protect her now. And historically, just 50 years ago, getting out of the lynching period where Anything could be done to us as men or women. And a fear put deep in us that we cannot, in fact, protect our woman. When we talk about the police brutality case uh, and we see the situation with the young girl thrown across the room in Columbia, South Carolina, by this so-called truancy officer at this school, throwing a young lady across the room and seeing people on Facebook say, well, dang, why did the young boys just sit there? And, and, and this white officer called in by a black male teacher, called in by a administrator, a black male administrator. See this young lady thrown across this room. And in initial reports, the teacher and the administrator supported the officer before the back media backlash took place. And I would offer the only way you can see our men act that weak is because of psychosis, a deep-seated psychology that we have never, ever dealt with. Dr. King? I don't know that I can King? say anything behind that. I don't know that I can say anything behind that. I mean, that's the... That's the crux of what you know I'm saying, and that in, in order for us to um, move past the devaluing or, or lack of value for our women um, as black men, we have to um, first of all own um, the impact of um, slavery, right? Own the impact of impact of that on um, ourselves as black men. Um, own the the, the, the perhaps, and I'm just I'm I'm, I'm speaking maybe may speaking for us, and I'm not trying to speak out of context, but perhaps own the shame that may have come along with that, 
and 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 then what term what 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 we would probably uh, deem as a defense mechanism in terms of how how that shame manifests into um um into in, into what we're calling hate right we're using the word hate or or lack of of um what should be love love unconditionally for our women but once we own that you know i think then we can begin to to, to process um, you know how it's manifested, and then how we and how we might then in turn um, begin to turn the corner. Hey, good stuff. We actually got. Welcome back to the best of Mentor Dialogue 2020. I pulled out a cut, actually not from 2020, but for one of the most important shows we've ever done on the show, in my opinion, called "Do Black Men Hate Their Women." Um, I was looking to do a cut from one of our top shows this year on how we could end the gender war. And I had two cuts and I ended up choosing that cut because I still, I think it applies to this very unfortunate gender war that seems to be existing currently and growing in our community. And so that cut goes very deep in my opinion into the psychology of some things that we, in my opinion, don't talk about. And I'm willing to say as an African-American man and own this, that if we become aware of it, 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 to a certain extent, it lands on us. I got a co-host, Eric, out of New Orleans, if you will. King, um, any thoughts on what you just heard? Again, I just gave a slight commentary for why I chose that cut. Um, in particular, it's the one cut that we're playing that's not from this year's show, this year's group of shows. But any thoughts on what you just heard, King? Um, this you know, sort of like going back to what we were talking about before, the isolation, insulation. Maybe the insulation would help us, but, you know, through integration, I think we, the black family has disintegrated, I understand, prior to 1960 or 1960. 80% of black families were ahead of a mother and a father present in the home. And not saying that that's the only way that you can have a family structure, but it definitely, in my opinion, helps to have a mother and a father in the home. And up until the 60s, we, we had that presence. And nowadays, we really don't have that presence. I think it's a concerted, concerted effort by you know the racist society that we live in is to destroy the black family. Along with that, I think um, a concerted effort for the black man not to respect but to disrespect the black woman. And I think integration has, uh, you know, promoted that to extent in terms of um, beauty standards and what's considered to be beautiful uh, in terms of hair texture, skin color, size of our lips, the fullness of our nose, those sorts of things. A lot of that does not meet a white beauty standard. And a lot of us look at white beauty standards in terms of what a beautiful woman would be or, you know, should an African beauty standard be accepting, which this society does not want us to accept African beauty as, as something to behold and to admire. Okay, so I think integration has affected the black family. It's affected what we perceive as being beautiful, uh, how we should respect our women. I think prior to integration, I think we did respect our women. I wasn't living there, but I think that the definitely present. But as time goes on and on and on, and we don't know our own standards, our own traditions, we begin to take on other people's values and traditions. And a lot of times those values and traditions are anti-black and anti-African. Therefore, we're not going to respect ourselves as an individual man, 
and therefore we're not going to respect the black woman either. So I think a lot of that has to go back. Now, you mentioned insulation. Maybe insulation can help minimize some of that impact of being a racist, uh, integrated society. But I think we have to look at all options of how to counteract that, whether it's going to be insulation or isolation, because, again, living in a racist, integrated society has been, to our, in my opinion, has led to a great downfall in our community. Now, I understand that perspective. I hear it quite often. Um, before, you know, what I would just say is, as, as, as someone who loves history and studies it greatly, um, I I don't see when we were better prior to, you know, segregation and integration. I don't subscribe to either, and I'm not saying I'm right here, uh, but I de- I will stand by how throughout the world, again, not study, studying world history, if you will, isolation has always been failure for groups. Um, you know, and I can go to even specific situations when I like, for example. When you go um, read the destruction of the black civilization, if you go, you know, even look at the stuff that Chancellor Williams was saying about how the different groups would take over one another. And uh, again, so isolation, I, I couldn't imagine it being a, a, a great option in a um, in a global world. But, uh, you know, again, and, and, and um, so, again, that's just, you know, my take on it. And I respect your take. Um, but, yeah, you know, but I do agree where, that there was concerted that's effort. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I will say that. I will agree that. Yeah, I'll, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let me let you finish. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I didn't interrupt you, but I said made us where insulation could be very helpful. You know. Right. That's the and that's the point. You know what I'm saying? Like, like get you know get get find out because again it is because what is very difficult. Here's where I know we we would agree on. But we absolutely can agree currently in the situation with our communities. We think about our 13 percent in this country, if you will. Um, um, one of the uh, one of the guests I had on the, in the past at Maria Lloyd, in to a certain extent, whether we recognize this or not, but we're really kind of too spread out in reference to some of what what is still needed. So with us being spread mm-hmm. out, then you you always you are consistently trying to find out who you are with the way the current school system is. Like, let's just, let's just mm-hmm. let call it what it is. And so since it is that way, then once we become aware of it that way, then you have to figure out, well, how do I counteract it to ensure that my children go forth in the world as they need to? And that can be very yeah. difficult if you're busy, like, you know, in a sense, sending your kid off to a school that's not concerned with that part. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, so, you know, so there are, there is nuance and that's where, yeah, that's exactly what I mean by insulation, if you will. Right. Trying to ensure mm-hmm. that again, if there's, if there's anything you can teach your child is to know who they are, that's going to give them a better mm-hmm. chance than anything that you actually, you know what I mean? Getting mm-hmm. educating without knowing who you, who you are is why some of the things that you said do happen, right. That we start looking to other standards. So I'm not saying that everything mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're saying is wrong. Or you know whatever, but I but I do, you know, openly as I'm saying right now, I'm definitely against isolation because I've constantly seen it fail in the history that I've read. You know, just to throw that out there. Um, let me go to another break if you're still able to hang on with me. For those other caller out there, if you want to get in and become our new co-host, you do have to press one. I've seen some callers come in and come out. But if you're looking to become our new co-host or give, give your three cents on any of this morning's discussion, please press one. Um, Eric, thank you for rocking with me at this point. We are up against a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Okay. 
right, y'all bear with me. Got a little here we go. Got a little board problem. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and t shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most is more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk. They see us always be, because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money. So I respect my husband as well. So, I, again, I just think it's important that we're considered of the terms, nothing just in society, the terms that we use say, okay, well, if you're not submissive, then that means you're not respectful of him. And I'm not saying that I'm not, that I don't submit to things. And I'm absolutely very respectful of my husband. And I'm mindful of what I say and what I do and when I say it and when I do it. But so is he. That's my only point, that it works both ways. Okay, so, so what you're saying is when... Uh-huh, go ahead, Carol. Uh, I, I just want to jump in here really quickly, Sherdon. The reason why I said that um, you do sound frustrated is because you did you did say that you were frustrated, so um, I understand the clear up. But it, it wasn't that you were passionate, and it wasn't that you were, um, you know, just really clear and strong about what you're saying. You did say that you were frustrated because of how people first and what I will say too, I don't I'm not sure where along the way people confuse submission with cooking and cleaning and bowing down. I that that to me is so sad. Um, it's actually sadder than you, Christy, feeling like the Bible is a slave manual. Because I actually get that. I, I do. And I have a I have a lot of opinions about the Bible too. I've just tried the Bible. I have I have walked away from church and I have gone back and I've tried the Bible and I've tried God and I've tested to see if it works for me and it does. So that's all I'm saying, especially as it relates to my relationship. There is no cooking and cleaning expectation and bowing down in my home. It is not a matter of me stroking his ego. It is what I feel God has gifted me with as a wife. I'm a wife and a stay-at-home mom. I'm not a CEO of anything or running a company or anything like that. My home is my company. This is this is my job. This is what I do. So I am very passionate about it. And the last thing I'll say is women and men alike have taken the word submiss- submission as a soundbite. They don't know. They haven't studied it. They haven't, you know, really gone and sought the Lord about what it means or sought whoever they find as an authority. They've taken it as 
a complete sound bite and run with it. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say bow down. I mean, that's, so that's a very clear um, example of how we have connotated this thing into something that it's ever, never, ever was intended to be. And then, I'm sorry, just one last thing. You said it was easy for me to submit to my husband because we respect each other and we love each other. But in a relationship where you don't have that respect, it's not as easy. My point is, why are you in that relationship where the respect is not there? And that's why I divorced my first husband. Because... You, it is. It should be easy to submit. It shouldn't be like you going in like, oh God, this is awful. That's not how it should be. That's not how God ever intended it. We are God's creation and His daughters. He would never want us to be in a situation where we're downtrodden and walk over like a doormat. And that's the soundbite that people have taken from submission. That's all I'm saying. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. You're listening to the best of Mental Dialogue 2020. That comes from a show, Submission in Marriage, What Does It Really Mean? The Woman's View. I'll play the men's view in a little bit, but I got um, Eric out of New Orleans as our co-host. Again, we're letting people call in. If you want to get in and give us your three cents, give us a call at 646-787-1691. I got a couple of callers on the line. If you want to get in, you do have to Press 1. If you're a first-time caller, that's usually a little unique. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Um, but, Eric, I'm assuming that's your first time hearing that cut. I know you are a listener, so I don't know if you've heard that cut earlier this year. But just any thoughts um, as you hear, in a sense, um, that was an all-ladies show. Uh, one of my, uh, I had one of my uh, former co-hosts host that show for me, and it was an all-ladies show, and they were just kind of doing their back and forth, and that was a cut that I took from the submission in marriage. What does it really mean? Um, any thoughts from you? Mom, Mickey, I see you hanging out there. I definitely want to get your three cents on that, so I'll come to you next. But um, if you will, Eric, give me your three cents on that cut. Oh, yeah, I'm not being an expert on that subject. I always want to preface that but just to indicate that yeah, I'm just talking about from my experience, what I know of. And yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's all we want, from your three cents. Yeah, we, we welcome all yeah. the opinions. So, yeah, just speaking from your perspective, that's what we do here. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, each each person in the marriage has their own particular roles and skills and talents. And I think, you know, you have to take advantage of that. And that particular person who may have, who may be best in a particular role or particular talent and skill, that should be the go-to person to handle whatever the situation may be, whether it's taking care of the house or cleaning a house or cooking or cutting the grass, you know, I think um, that that should be their particular role based on how talented and gifted they are in doing that. And I don't really see that as submission, but just having the most efficient job done by the person who, who can handle that task at hand. So I look at who I was best at with doing whatever needs to be done, and, and that's the automatic go-to person. And it shouldn't really look as being submissive, but just having the job done by the best person. So. No, I respect that. Yeah, I respect that. I, I, I... I think I like a little bit of what Carol was saying from the standpoint of when she even asked the question, how do we take submission, at least the way she understood it uh, from her perspective, how does it even get reduced down to these tasks? I think she's looking at it, you know, on a different level. Uh, we got another caller that mm-hmm. wants to get in, so I'm going to go to the other caller, and I think I'll give you three, get your three cents after I get to the other caller. Area code 678, last 3796. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this best of the Mental Dialogue 2020. I hope you're enjoying us jumping around subject on these different subjects this morning. Go ahead. Uh, definitely. I have been enjoying um, the conversation. Uh, my name is Kenny. I am calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. And um, 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm I'm a young adult. I'm in my, my mid-20s um, right now. And, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of what I have learned about, um, I guess, the relationship between men and women, you know, has been that of, of, of roles traditionally. But I think now, especially I, I think the millennial crowd, we are, we are starting to challenge, even as a collective, start, starting to challenge some of these norms. And it, it's helpful, and I, and I will add that, so reading um, Sekou Ture's Women in Society exposed me to, I guess, a, a sort of thinking that patriarchy and the patrilineal way of us looking at things or assessing things always existed, but colonialism has put its stamp on how that takes form in a family unit, right? And it has influenced how how men and women interact in a partnership in terms of dominant or submissive, right? And so I think colonialism and exploitation and oppression ultimately is at the root of what creates this power structure that is oftentimes marginalizing as far as like what roles are and is is also um, in some ways destructive to the partnership or the relationship that exists between men and women. Um, As far as solutions go, I I do believe that as far as an Afrocentric way of looking at things, um, really uplifting the woman in her role and understanding the role that women have played and mothers have played in African societies as um, really as, as guidance or as, as leaders, not just reducing them to, to any, any one particular role, but the influence and, and leadership that they have in educational roles and political roles, whether that be in a, in a housekeeping role and not reducing them to, to, one, to, to one role as, as the, the lady plays so eloquently as far as how we do what the mission is. So I think it, it ultimately comes down to returning to the root of what real partnership means, and, and ultimately that will progress us, push us forward as a race. Nah, thanks a lot for the three cents, King. I'm a, I got another caller trying to get in, so y'all getting in. We got 17 minutes. I'm gonna try to get everybody in, and I got a commercial to do. But thanks a lot for your three cents, King. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. So to be fair to um, eight six four last three zero zero one, I'm gonna shoot this last breakout, and then we're gonna get you in. I'm gonna play a cut coming out of the break as well. So we're just gonna make it all work. And um, Mick, I'm gonna try to get some room to get you in here because I definitely wanted to hear your thoughts on that last that last cut. But again, we're gonna just try to make it all work in these last 15 minutes. This is the best of Mental Dialogue 2020. So thank you, Carlos, for holding me down. If you want to squeeze in on this last 15 minutes, I'll throw the number out there as well: six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that's six four six seven eight seven nine six. I'm sorry, 646-791. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused 
ground support equipment back to the user and working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technology is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. I really can't stand it whenever I make a post defending black men. There's always a barrage of comments like, we got to hold them accountable. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for accountability, but when do we not hold black men accountable? It's like every day, every time I get on the internet, someone is always talking about what black men not doing right. As a matter of fact, the only time we do bring up black men is to hold them accountable for the stuff that they're not doing. I mean, it's almost like we're letting our personal experiences and the media, first and foremost, dictate how we feel about our own men. Never mind the several instances of black men who are protecting black women. Never mind the black man who pulled a black woman out of a burning building. Never mind the black man who jumped in front of a group of girls and lost his life defending them. Never mind the black men who are taking 12-hour shifts to defend a black woman in their neighborhood. Never mind that the majority, the vast majority, over 80% of black men are married to black women. We gotta stop letting the media tell us that our men don't love us and protect us. That's a lie. This country is hell-bent on destroying our men. Let's not help them. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, Autumn Sonata, thank you, Queen. Phenomenal woman, loving this conversation with you. As you just played a cut from Erica Lachey, one of my favorite followers on IG and Facebook, um, you actually put that cut up on your page. And so um, I thought I would share it this morning because, yeah, you know, because as we go through this conversation talking about your own journey, um, to some listening, they may be in a, in a sense surprised at how you see uh, in a sense this dynamic between us as black men and black women. And so again, you you lauded that post on your page, and I pretty much stole it from your page just to um, kind of open up the dialogue for people to hear in a sense how you see things for us as a collective. As you you know, again, we spent the first 45 just talking about your own journey. Um, but yeah, any thoughts in reference to that actual cut? And one of the callers looks like they're wanting to get in as well. So let's get your thoughts, and then we'll get to the caller as well. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, through our own experiences and those painted perspectives, a lot of um, men and women, black men and women, we tend to see each other in a negative light and apply that that blanket um, blindfold to the entire opposite gender. Um, I've had, you know, my share of bad experiences and hard-learned lessons with black men, but I dare not and could not even fix my mouth to say that I am unprotected, um, that I am unsure about my love for and adoration for black men. Um, I have 
amazing examples, while not perfect, amazing examples of what a man is and their purpose in my life through my grandfather, through my father, and even my brothers. Um, my son is an amazing 18-year-old black male. I have and three other little black males that, I, that I'm nurturing. But I think that once we take our own power back and realize that this is my own perspective, um, shaped and molded through experiences that were not favorable, that I can, I have the gift and the privilege to turn into lessons as opposed to, you know, losses, then at that point is where I can change his perspective and see people for who they are, understanding that my negative experience with this one person or several, you know, men were because I chose, I decided to engage or interact with that person. And sitting down and figuring out why, those five layers of why, why I decided to engage with that will give me my own power back and help me to shape a perspective that is one of a positive outlook on our men. Um, it, it annoys my soul. It irks my it irks my being when I see us black women get on social media and just bash, diminish and disrespect our men based off of one or several however many experiences we, you know, had that were not favorable to us. And instead of taking accountability for our role or our acceptance of bad behavior for that one or several people, we want to push it off over the whole gender and say there are no good men left. Black men are wet. If we took a look, an honest look, at our environment, our surroundings, and our decisions, we would see where we got that perspective from and how we can change it on our own. It's all within. And so um, I never had that perspective, the one where I just bashed black men or men, period. Um, But I see where and why women have that. And some of I have friends who are um, who you know nurture that 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 mindset. Unfortunately, um, they've gotten better, but it, it takes time to heal that wound um, and understand that we share experiences as Black people that we cannot even share with others. And that what that is what makes us unique to one another. That is what makes us precious and valuable to one another. And it's something that we should root in our foundation when we're building a relationship. Welcome back to the Best of Mental Dialogue 2020. That comes from an extremely recent show. Highly recommend you go check out that entire show, Conversation with Smart People, one of our series where we bring on people you may not know. They're not necessarily famous, but they are geniuses in how they think, and so we bring them on and have a dialogue, and that was um, the amazing, as I call it, the phenomenal woman, Autumn Sonata. So definitely go look up that show if you missed it. Um, I got another co-host looking like they're trying to get in here. Area code eight six four last three zero zero one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's best of mental dialogue. Good morning, uh, Montari. This is your aunt um, from South Carolina, Deborah, and I wanted to address hey, the. Uh, hey, I just wanted to address <laughs> yeah. that submission. Um, that the, the young lady was okay, talking about because uh, from a minister's standpoint uh, that have been taken out of context in, in the Bible the first it starts out saying submit to one another and submission does not mean that yes you, you don't pile down that's, that is not what it means 
And a lot of people have taken that out of context. They just hear the word submit, and they run with it. But it also talks about uh, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of the Lord. And it also talks about uh, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Christ died for the church. So Christ had a respect for women. Christ died for the church. And not only that, we are to submit to one another, which means we respect one another. We don't bring each other down. And as far as our black men are concerned, I know you grew up in a household with three uh, strong black women, (laughs) and you were always respectful. You are still a, a respectful young man. I love that about you. And, you know, just the fact that you're doing these, you know, different topics, I, I, I like that, and educating, you know, the public. And we do need to get back to some of our roots where we need to actually know what what things mean before we just kind of, like, throw them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have studied submission, you know, from... From a, I guess from a worldly standpoint and, and from the biblical standpoint. And submit to one another actually means that we are to love one another and to be respectful of one another and to help one another grow. And so when we when we do that, we, we'll have a better society. I, you know, just when you're saying that what happened to the young lady? Just I, you know, I saw that. I, I saw that as well. How they, they just threw the young lady across the room. Um, that is not being respectful at all. And we 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 need to learn how to respect one another. And so when we when we do that, submission is not being cowering down, but submission actually means to love and build up. And that's, I guess, you say that's no, I love my it, three cents. No, I love and it. I that love was a great three cents. Thank you. No, I love you too, Auntie. Appreciate you for the um, support and calling in this morning. Uh, I got, I know, um, yeah, let me say this real quick before you go. And again, it's kind of okay. along the lines of what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, I'm just going to see, you know, just share before I let you go. I mean, you know, I, you know, before I let you go, just to say, well, I got you live on the air. But, but I, I again, love a lot of what you said. And, 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 and you're right, the submitting to one another, uh, people don't realize. Again, like you said, you can take a word and, and misconstrue it, right? And so people don't even understand that even the idea of providing and pro- protecting, if you will, in, in that role, that's a form of submission. Because it's, it, it, you know, to a certain, I've always let people know it, 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 it ain't it ain't natural to to protect if if you're in danger. But if you've submitted and said this is who I protect, then you are submitting to to stand up and protect someone else. And so, in my opinion, that only happens, in my opinion, when we're in our natural roles. And as you said, both are submitting to one another to do that. And if you take out the the risk, as you said, then you absolutely are not submitting, you know, or whatever. And that's been the historical issue that people look at that word and think it includes not having respect. But as you said, respect is the number one thing in order to even offer that submission. So I appreciate those thoughts, um, Auntie. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. All right, Mickey, I'm going to get you a 
we got four minutes, Mickey. I know. I'm assuming you stuck. We with me the whole time, brother. If you want to get in something real quick, I know you always bring something brief to say. And this is an area that you always are talking about, so I wanted to get you back on live. Absolutely. Um, before I get into that, I just want to I want to reach back for ten seconds and talk about. Uh, I just want to make a comment about insulation versus isolation. What? Because it was seemed to okay. be some. It wasn't. You know. It wasn't cohesive in terms of everybody's understanding. The way I interpret. Uh, insulation was an increased level of cohesion and self-sufficiency uh, within the, the inter, within the interdependency of a national and global infrastructure. That's what I took that to mean. So I just want to put that out there because that's what I. Um, yeah, now, thank you for helping me so, articulate it a better way than I'm doing. So thank you for that. Go ahead. No problem. Now, with regards to submission, uh, being a being a Christian man myself, it was so timely that your aunt would come in with that. Um, the secular definition of submission, yes has permeated throughout the world. And so for me, it is first and foremost submitting to God um, and then if understanding what God wants from you. But just in a practical sense, um, in addition to respect, submission is really about trust as well. Um, in fact, if you look up the word faith, uh, often associated with, with religion and, and the, the, the Christian relationship with God, faith is complete trust in something. So you have to you have to um, keep your ego in check, be vulnerable enough to trust and underscore the word trust, the knowledge, the opinion, um, the experience, and the intent of your mate, because then that allows you to, as a particularly as a man, right, to submit to your wife appropriately, and that's to offer her that respect, that protection, and to work in cohesion with her. Um, it's our egos a lot of time and our lack of trust that keep us from really wanting to, to, to trust our mate or, or follow their guidance uh, in certain certain situations. And that, again, as a male, being able to, to allow your wife to make, some, to, to make those decisions and lead when appropriate. And that's playing off of each other for that cohesion's sake. So um, that's my three cents. No, I love it, man. Thank you for that. Thank you all, all the callers that called in um, throughout the, you know, the country for holding me down. Uh, unfortunately, Amber wasn't able to stick with me, so y'all definitely held me down uh, for this. Again, this is something we tried, best of mental dialogue. I thoroughly enjoyed it personally, just hearing. Uh, I got to so many other countries that I didn't get to play or whatever, which you can imagine, just wanted to be overprepared just to make sure we, we got through these couple of hours. And in reality, we got, and if you're a first-time listener, I hope just from hearing the different cuts, you get a really an idea of what we do on this show, which is we welcome all the opinions and we may push back in dialogue, but we're not debating. We're just having dialogues because the thought is, um, as I always quite, quite tell the community club here in Atlanta, that the, the idea is once you form a education, you, you really, in a sense, don't learn except for when you are exposed to ideas different than your own. So if you go all the way back to the beginning of the show where we're just talking about all the information that's out there within the pandemic, and we were challenging you, challenging you even in researching information, to seek out the information that you don't agree with. That's where you get into critical thinking. If you use confirmation bias or not open to hearing ideas different than your own, um, you won't be aware of maybe new information that is not always on your side of things, if that makes sense. So, again, what we t attempt to do with the Dialogue is to have important conversations, or as we say, the conversations America's afraid to have, but we really dialogue through it versus having debate 
where people are trying to be right. Our ultimate goal is to get it right and for you to pick up a seed that you can use in your life. That's the idea of us creating this virtual neighborhood and talking every Saturday morning like a community club. So we'll see y'all next Saturday. Hope y'all enjoy Best of Mental Dialogue 2020. All I ask is that you think.